Well, good morning. Thank you for being here. It's, it's, you know, we're so blessed. Um, I get to come here and do what God's put on my heart to do and be among God's people and serve with people like Ronnie and Art and the others, Lord, that are on our team. And I can always count on God using Art to take me into the presence or, or using Ronnie to take me into the presence of God. And I, I am grateful for that. Thank you so much for being here today. I know there's a lot of uh, concerns. There are a lot of things that we're thinking about. I just remind you that about 95% of everything you worry about never happens. It's a true fact. Um, stay faithful to God. Be smart. Take care of yourself. Great opportunity for ministry. Love God and love people, and he'll take care of you. I promise you that. Over the last 20 years, you've heard me make this kind of statement many times. As goes the family, so goes the church, and as goes the church, so goes the nation. Everything, my friends, hinge upon your, your, your marriage, your family. It hinges on relationships. We've been talking over the last four weeks, and I, I confess to you that I never started out to do a four-week series, and, and it may not be over. I don't know. <laughs> but we've been talking about how your garden grows, and the divine principle that we started on simply said that everything that God does and says has order and has purpose. Can you get that ring out just a little bit there? There you go. feel like I'm in a barrel. There we go. I'm a little bit hoarse today, but it's not COVID. It's uh, two epidural shots I had in my back Friday, so <laughs> hang with me. Can you get that? It's close. All right, try. Please help me. Everything God does and everything God says has order and purpose. There's a reason for everything. And so far as we've looked in Genesis chapter 2, we've seen that, that God taught Adam to rest, and he taught him how to worship so that he could fulfill his greatest calling, and that was to worship Almighty God. He taught Adam how to work, teaching him how to be responsible and giving him purpose in life. He gave Adam his word in the form of a warning to teach Adam that freedom has healthy limits and that God, what he says is absolutely true. We also saw that and have been looking at the fact that God promised to give Adam a wife to complete him and to help him make his mission on earth possible. As we began looking at verse 18 last week, we saw that God gives Adam his wife of promise. And I, I gave you kind of a, a lesson plan in this. And, and I said to you that whether you're single or whether you're married, God wants you to stop trying to change your marital status. And, and what he instead wants you to do is start living the kingdom life that God has planned for you. It is a biblical fact that for some of you, God wants you to be single. It is also a biblical fact that for some of you, God wants you to be married. Your responsibility is to figure out what God wants and then do what God has planned for you. Why? Because God's will is what really matters for you. And, and whatever God's will is, that's where you're going to find his greatest blessings. We talked last week about how being single may be what God's will is for your life. Listen, no one was born married, right? <laughs> it 
Some of us feel like that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Nobody was born married. We all start out single. If you remember, I said that Adam, for a certain portion of his life, was a single man. The Apostle Paul lived out his entire Christian life as a single man. And the greatest example we've ever had was Jesus. Jesus was single. I don't care what they say. My Bible says Jesus was single. So Paul gives us some really important words. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7 says, Paul said this. He said, I wish everyone could get along without marrying just as I do. But we are not all the same. God gives some the gift of marriage, and to others he gives the gift of singleness. Now I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it is better, better to stay unmarried just as I am. But, but if they cannot control themselves, then they should go ahead and marry. It is better to marry than to burn with lust.
people came in the form of God promising to make him a helper. A helper. He said, I will make a helper who is just right for him. The New International Version says, I will make a helper suitable for him. A helper. A real helper. A divine assigned helper, not just a partner, not just a significant other, but someone that God has given him. Now, think about this. The same God that made Adam from a handful of dirt and then breathed life into his nostrils and he became a living soul and then gave him a home in a tropical, tropical paradise and, and put all the food that he would ever need right at his fingertips. The God that gave him a job, gave him purpose, gave him significance is the very same God who knew exactly what Adam needed in a wife. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that God has that kind of wisdom? That he can give you exactly what you need? Do you believe that? Well, friends, if you do, and, and if you know that God knew what Adam needed, then he also knows what you need. Amen? He is the very best one to give you a helper, a mate, a husband, a wife. He can do that. He knows how to do that. If You know, we, we refer back to when you have a problem with your car, you go back to the manufacturer. If you want to know what's wrong with your marriage, you go back to the manufacturer. Talk to God, right? Makes sense. I was reading some comments by Tony Evans the other day. Again, imagine that. And an unfortunate, he says, an unfortunate yet common belief in Christian circles is that since God deemed Eve as a helper for Adam, that women are somehow less valuable than men. Hmm. Well, friends, here's a fact that you may not have ever considered. Women are sometimes thought of and compared to as the Holy Spirit is in his role of helper. Hang with me. What did Jesus say? But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. It is unfortunate that the Holy Spirit is that part of the Trinity who does such a substantial amount of divine work but gets very little attention or uh, recognition. He also often appears to be uh, the one who has less, the least amount of authority in the Trinity. We think of God the Father, God the Son, but we put them up here and we say God the Holy Spirit is over here. Well, friends, just like that happens, women sometimes are also overlooked and shorthanded in their role. And because of that, I want us to take a deeper look at this word that is used here for helper in the original language. Because I believe it will open our eyes uh, to an amazing truth that God wants us to understand and, and appreciate. I believe it can change a lot of what we think about marriage. There, there are two Hebrew words that are translated in the English as helper who is just right for him. 
that are uniquely powerful in their meaning. I, I shared these words with you just a few minutes ago. Two Hebrew words. Azir and Konegdo. Azir and Konegdo. The first word, Azir, it occurs 21 times in the Old Testament. With only two of those occurrences referring to a woman. All the other times it refers to God the Father who is the first member of the Trinity in his superior form. Psalms 33 verse 20 is one of those 19 occurrences. The psalmist wrote, We depend on Yahweh, the Lord, alone to save us. Only He can azir us. Only He can help us, protecting us like a shield. The term konegdo was then later added to azir in Genesis 2.18 so that it would be distinguished from all the other times in the Old Testament where it is used to refer to a strong help from God. Here it's meant to be a strong help from my wife. It can be translated, the word konegdo, literally it means before your face, within your view, or purpose, or by your side. It can also be translated as a completion of, or a counterpart to, so based on the meaning of this word, as you combine them together, it's easy to see that Eve's role was not one of subservience. She was not a maid service person. She was not to be a slave. In the original Hebrew, Eve's role was to be a strong help comparable to God the Father himself. Almost 47 years ago, Joyce and I were married. That's a long time. We had no idea when we came together 47 years ago that God was going to call me to be a pastor and we were going to spend the, the bulk of our life in ministry serving the Lord. We didn't know that. But you know what? God did. God did. And he gave me the helper, the Azir Konegdo that I needed and that he wanted. Joyce, you are my best friend. She's back in the nursery, I'm sure, serving this morning. But she is my best friend. She is the helper that was just right for me. She was a gift from God. She is my, my compliment. My, she completes me. I, I was joking with her this week. We're, we're getting a little bit older and we don't remember things quite as well. Y'all don't have that problem, do you? <laughs> I, I told her, I said, we certainly need each other in our old age. <laughs> Because when you forget, I remember. When I re forget, you remember. You know, we help each other. Well, listen, folks, the truth is we've always needed each other. And we always will. And it's a beautiful thing when God puts that kind of relationship together. God knows if you need a mate. He knows what you need. Thank God that he knows that. And he can provide that. He knows if you need to be married. And, and the beautiful thing about God is that he knows who you need to marry. He knows where they are. He knows who they are. God is the absolute best matchmaker that there ever will be. As we begin looking at verse 19, we, we see that just before God made a wife for Adam, he, he held this amazing parade. Y'all like parades? It says in verse 19, So the Lord God formed from the soil every kind of animal and bird, and he brought them to Adam 
to see what he would call them. And Adam chose a name for each one. He gave, excuse me, he gave names to all the livestock and the birds and the wild animals. But still there was no companion suitable for him. As you can clearly see that God's solution to Adam's loneliness was preceded by this amazing parade. Remember, everything God does has what? Order and purpose. There was a reason for this. It wasn't about naming the animals. It was about him finding the right person to be his mate. God promised Adam a wife. But Adam had no clue what a wife was. He had no reference point. He'd never seen one before. You don't know what you need if you've never seen it. You don't know what you don't know, right? He was clueless. Unfortunately, most men are, even today. Most men don't know what a wife is for. And we certainly don't know how to find one. Adam didn't. So what did God do? He put a parade together. He gathered up all the animals that he created very much like he did at the great flood. Remember that they came two by two in pairs, not two males, not two females, but two of the same kind of animals, one male, one female. That was by God's divine design from the very beginning. And it is the only reproductive way that multiplication works. Um, there, there were, they were coming in pairs, two, two lions, two tigers, two bears. Oh my! <laughs> two horses, two cows, two chickens, two dogs, two bluebirds, two eagles, two frogs, two anteaters. There were two of everything. They came in twos, two by two, female and male. God brought them in front of Adam. And as they came by, Adam began to know, notice how similar they were, but he also noticed their difference. When he saw Mr. Elephant, there was also a Mrs. Elephant. And Miss, Mr. Gorilla had his Mrs. Gorilla. Every animal had a mate that looked a whole lot like them, but there was just a little bit of difference. A little bit. But no animal was found that looked like Adam. There was a Mr. Adam, but no other corresponding Half. Verse 20 again says, He named all the livestock, the birds, and the wild animals, but still there was no companion suitable for him. What a parade. But as you can see, this parade was not a parade of potential brides. <laughs> this was not the dating game show. This was not The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or, or any other reality show or dating service that men have designed to help people find a mate. This was God's way of doing things. Paul reflects that in the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 27. Paul said, if you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. Key word, seek. What does Paul mean by what he said? I think Paul meant you need to learn to be content with where you are. You need to learn to be content with what God has you doing and where you are in that. Don't, don't go out shopping for a maid, I think is what he's saying. Now, now, when Paul said this, do not seek to get married, he wasn't saying that it's wrong to get married. Are you understanding that? He wasn't saying that. Instead, Paul was addressing the right methodology of finding a mate. He was saying, stop. 
your man hunting. Stop your wife hunting. Don't spend all of your time and energy trying to find the right one. But instead, focus on knowing and serving God. And let Him be your matchmaker. We've all heard this phrase many times. Probably throughout your life, I've heard it many times. I've heard people say, Man, their marriage is like it was made in heaven. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God could say that about yours? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I have been hearing and reading this for years, that <clears throat> about 50% of all marriages wind up in divorce. Actually, if you study the statistics, you'll find that that number has been dropping now for probably the last 10 or 15 years because more and more people are just living together. They're not getting married, so you have less divorces. But if you also follow the statistics, instead of one or two divorces, there are probably 8, 9, 10, 15 relationship breakups because there's less commitment in that kind of environment. But whatever the real marriage survival number is, honestly, honestly, a large part of that number only stay together for convenience or for finances or because there are children involved. Their, their marriages are not really healthy. Their marriage on paper might be surviving, but it's not thriving. It is not all that God wants it to be. So let's back up and think about that. There, there's an old rule that simply states, things that don't start out right generally don't finish right. Things that don't start out right generally don't finish right. So... It is critical, especially in the area of picking a mate, that you get it right to begin with. Amen? Amen. In 2020, the chance of a fatal accident from a commercial airplane was this. 0.27 fatal accidents per million flights. Or you could say it this way. One fatal crash every 3.7 million flights. Or you could say that there was a 1 in 3.37 billion chance of you dying on a commercial airplane. I like those odds. I really do. They're far better than driving on the highway. Far better. But think about this. What if 50% of all airplanes crashed. Don't you think that you would be busy trying to pick the right airplane? <laughs> Makes a little sense, doesn't it? If you knew that one out of every two planes was going down in flames, don't you think that you would do a real careful investigation before getting on that plane simply because you wouldn't want to be a statistical casualty? Friends, I pray and I hope that you will be that concerned about your marriage and about your mates. Christians especially need to be careful about choosing a mate so that we don't end up being a casualty or a statistic. It's that simple. So here's my encouragement to all of us this morning. If you're single... If you're single, and there are a number of singles here today. I'm not picking on you, by the way. I'm trying to help you. I wish to God somebody had said this to me years and years ago. I, I wound up with who 
I needed for, for the rest of my life, but I, I, I've learned a lot in the last few years, okay? If I'd have known, I'd have made a lot of better decisions early on in life if I'd have known what I know now. Amen? You would have too. Amen? Yeah, we all would. So, so if you're single, then this is what you need to hear. If you're single, your first connection needs to be with the one, the one, with God, who really knows who you need, where they are, and if you need, he, they, he knows the right one for you. You need to be connected to him so you can know what he knows. Make sure that you're living out your kingdom agenda. And when the divine matchmaker is ready for you to have a mate, he will lead you to the right one. So focus on the Lord right now. Focus on the Lord and, and let him do the looking for you. Because he can pick the right one. But you've got to know him and be able to know what he knows. If you're married, I encourage you to draw close to the Lord. And let him help you make your marriage the very best that it can be. It is important that you do that. Do your part to please God in who he's called you to be. And, and help him help you to be a faithful mate. Work hard at making your, your marriage a wonderful success. Keep trusting and serving the Lord. This, this, this psalm, Psalm 3320, is a powerful psalm. When we depend on the Lord, he said, we depend on the Lord alone to save us. Guys, listen to me. There are a lot of marriages that need to be saved today. A lot of marriages. And we need the Lord's help to do that. For he says, only he can help us, protecting us like a shield. Remember how I started off this message? As goes your marriage, so goes your family. As goes your family, so goes your church. As goes your church, so goes your nation. And as goes our nation, so goes the world. How's your family growing? How's your family doing? Are you serving the Lord and doing all that you can do to know him and letting him lead your life to be who he wants you to be. Will you pray with me?